have you come help me move some stuff around. Come on, Bo. Bo, would you do something? <laughs> and my good friend Larnell Bird is going to come up here with us. And Walker. <laughs> We're going to socially distance our chairs. I apologize. This was not practiced. <laughs> and I'm going to give that to Walker. All right, so if I could get Larnell Bird, my good friend Larnell Bird, let's give him a hand. My good friend Charles Mendenhall, if you guys want to come up here. We're going to have just a little discussion this morning. Oh, there's a couple scriptures I didn't get to. Let me read them to you. Matthew 13, 15. This is what I pray is not our church and is not me. I pray, I pray that this is not me. I, I seriously pray, God, don't let this be me. For the hearts of these people are hardened and their ears cannot hear. And they have closed their eyes so their eyes cannot see. And their ears cannot hear and their hearts cannot understand. And they cannot turn to me and let me heal them. Mm. Those are the words of Jesus talking about people who had hard hearts and were not seeing, were not willing to see and willing to hear. And the last thing I'll say before we start our discussion is if you are in here this morning and you are like me, as white as sour cream. I do too. I do too. You don't have all the answers on this topic. That's the last thing I'll say. Well, not really. <laughs> That's about all I have to say about that. Lieutenant Dan. Can everybody see? Uh, gentlemen, introduce yourselves, starting with Charles. I'm Charles Mendenhall. <laughs> former, former student. <laughs> former student at South Park Christian Academy right across the street. Our first um, black um, student to graduate um, from South Park Christian Academy, <laughs> class of 1986. Uh, huh? I'm sorry, 87. I'm trying to age you. <laughs> And we, we started a scholarship last year called the Charles Mendenhall Scholarship where we, um, we uh, provide um, tuition assistance to minority students at the school. Okay, next. Um, my name is Larnell. Um, I feel like half of you guys already know me. <laughs> um, I went to South Park, um, graduated in 2006, graduated a little early, came back to help. Uh, mostly have fun. Miss um, <laughs> Garlock and Pastor Spiegel and Brother Spiegel knows this to be a fact. Uh, but yeah, happy to be here. All right, so I don't think I need to spend a lot of time talking about everything that's going on right now in our country. We are all aware that there is some unrest right now, that there are 
there are, and there are different sides to every issue. And there are, you know, I have good friends and family members who, who are police officers right now who are struggling, you know, who are good people. And, and I have good friends who are, are, are black men who, who also are struggling. So today I want to talk from the perspective of, of you all. I, I want to hear some of your stories. So I'm going to ask a question um, of both of you, and then you can just kind of answer. I'll, we'll start with you, Charles, and then Larnell, you can answer after that. So, so here's the first question. What are some of your initial feelings and thoughts about the current events? Do you have uh, disappointments? Um, and when I say disappointments, disappointments in how um, the church has responded, the church in general, the capital C, or, or predominantly the white church. Um, any, any anger over anything or any questions? Is it turned on? Can you hear me better? Okay, all right. I just didn't want to be too loud. <laughs> um, as you can see what's happening, the last the, the incident that happened with uh, George Floyd, that was really an ongoing thing that's been happening in the black community for years. Um, that was just kind of a straw if you would, you know, um, black people have always had this, well, we've always maintained um, a voice that when we encounter police in our neighborhoods, that we're treated totally different than they are in, in the white neighborhoods, in the suburbs, out in the uh, country, that when they come to us, they have a totally different mindset, that we're guilty until proven innocent. We're mm. roughed up more. Well, more, and it's not just police killings, because that's not what this is about. It's just the killings, because everybody gets killed. White people get killed, black people, Asians, everybody. You know, unfortunate incidents happen with the police. It's more that happens to us is brutality. Mm -hmm. um, we're roughed up. We're um, talked to just mean like we're dirt a lot of the time. And this isn't every cop. Don't get me wrong. I've, I've done security for years, I've been friends with numerous cops, and most cops are good people, good, hard work, and they have a tough job. The problem is that when you see something like in the incident that happened with George, there was only a couple officers that were physically involved, but look at the number of officers that stood around and did nothing. You know, that's the problem, whether it be, you know, with the police, in your neighborhood communities, with the church, when you stand around and see something going on and you do nothing, does that make you any better? Mm. You know, if, you're, if you're, you consider yourself a Christian, if you walk down the street and you see somebody that you can see is destitute, you know, hungry, you're going in to quick trick to get you a, a, a pop or something, you see somebody stand out there that's truly hungry, that you know you've got money in your pocket, What's a dollar hot dog going to do to you? You choose to keep walking past and you never do anything. Does that make you a true Christian? That's the problem that's encountered. That what we as people, I, mean, I say black people, don't get me wrong. When we as a people that, yes, nobody here had anything to do with slavery. My, slavery ha happened long before I was born, long before any of you guys were born. But the problem comes that who benefited from it? 
Mm. You know, even today, there is a systemic uh, racism, and it's not bold. That's the problem, like what uh, Brad was saying, when he saw uh, at the store with a guy, you know, it's nothing to burn. He just didn't say, hey, you guys get out because you're black. No, but there's just little subtle things that happen, and that's it. It's the little innuendos that are made. Mm. You know, those things, a lot of times, that's what you don't see when, when black guys say, man, that was, I know that was racist. And then somebody's jumping up saying, oh, no, that wasn't racist. That wasn't racist. That wasn't racist. No. You, you can't depend. Well, I asked, and I seen a thing on Facebook um, that God was holding a poster and it said, I can't, I can't walk in a black man's shoes, but I can lace mine up and walk beside you. That's all we're asking. You know, we're not saying that you, I, I never experienced what you've experienced. You've never experienced what I've experienced. But if I tell you that something's happening, don't automatically just shut it down. Look and see. That could, could be happening. That's all, that's all that a lot of this is about. You know, and I've seen in these protests, it's not all black people. It's not. You see white people standing beside us. You see Asians. You see Hispanics. And that's, that's all we're asking. We're not saying when we say black lives matter, it's not saying all lives don't matter. If I say uh, I'm going to go donate to save the rainforest, does that mean Yosemite? There's something wrong with it. I'm not saying that one's better than the other, but if one's having more trouble than the other, we're just asking you to help. That's all we're asking for, just to step up with us and be by our side. You know, that's all we're asking. The church, for years, the church is the basis that every person, whether you're black, white, has gone through. That's your, that's your ground. Most people were raised in the church. And it says, love your brothers one to another. And that's all we're asking. Brad here, if I cut Brad's arm, he's going to bleed. And you know what happened if I cut mine bleeding? If we put our arms together, guess what? The same color. Yeah. All we're asking, me and Brad want the same thing. We want our kids to be safe. We want us to be safe. We want to be happy, enjoy life. And that's all, that's all that anybody's asking. And when situations like this come up, that's all we're asking. We're not wanting anything extra. Because that, you know, that would be stupid. That would be saying, I want something more than you, whether I deserve it or not. I want at least to be on the same level as you guys and treated the same way. That's all, that's all that this movement is really about, is we want to have an equal share in everything. That's what it's that's level, in my want a, a level playing field. Yeah, okay. yeah that's all we're asking. Yeah. Hmm. No, that's good. Uh, Lorna, you have your response? I'm going to be honest. I think Charles said it all. <laughs> but I do want to, um, I guess, take this opportunity to touch back on something that, um, that you have touched on um, as far as us as black people being, um, having a different experience with cops. Um, so I'm going to give you guys like a quick history lesson. Um, the origins of cops came from slave catchers. And um, so what they would do, and slave patrols, so as we're doing whatever, or they, our ancestors, were doing whatever they were doing, um, they would search our carriage for whatever reason. No reason whatsoever. They can just go through everything. And then, of course, slave catchers, they would catch them. And that was the origins of what we know as the police force. And then fast forward, you know, through history, you know, we still kind of have... Um, uh, uh, can't think of the word, a residue. There's a residue of that still. And I think the best thing we can do is expose that. 
Um, and I'm not saying that, like he said, not all cops. In fact, most of my police um, encounterments were, um, for the most part, good. I was able to talk myself out of half of my tickets. I'm not going to tell you how many tickets I should have got. Right? <laughs> I'll just say I need more than two hands. All right. So, and I was able to get myself out of five of them. So that's not bad. Uh, but there was one time um, where me and my girlfriend, who became my wife, hello, Chelsea, I'm assuming we're live. <laughs> uh, but... Yeah, we were, we were parked in my van in a parking lot of a building that was closed. So police came and it was like, hey. Probably having a Bible study or. You know, uh, I'm not going to say, <laughs> listen, <laughs> I'm not going to say anything. You know, I plead the fifth. <laughs> but thank God for deliverance. <laughs> but anyways. <laughs> so. Uh, so, so no, in fact, we went to the altar. So everything's all good. Everything's <laughs> in two different senses. Um, but anyways, um, what was I saying? I think you're rubbing off on me, Brad. <laughs> um, but yeah, yeah, we got pulled over um, in an empty parking lot because the restaurant was closed or whatever. And then the cop pulls up, and he's just yelling at me, calling me all sorts of things, you know. And then um, my wife, girlfriend at the time, gets out the car, jumps in his face, nose to nose, nothing happens. Whole time I'm like, please, please just shut up. <laughs> please, please. But, but, I mean, that's just an example, small stuff like that. There's no way I could have got out the car. But, I mean, just hint. And I didn't even notice until she said something. So, it's just crazy. Thank you for that example. Uh, Charles, I was going to ask you, like, what, so he, I, I was going to, the question I was going to ask is for you guys to give some examples, some, like, real-life instances of things that have happened. You just gave one. Charles, are there any instances that you can think of, of, that you would like to share that, uh, of, Racism. yeah, yeah. Um, I've, I've been fortunate, thank God, that I, I haven't had a lot, but I have had some some interesting ones, and one of them actually occurred at South Park, not with the people here, thank God. <laughs> but I remember, uh, it was my, I think it was my first year, I think, I think it was when we went to state. Okay. And down there, I guess it was safe to say you could pick me out uh, <laughs> of the crowd of uh, you know, several hundred kids and then one chocolate chip. <laughs> and, um, and I, and I remember, I can't remember if it was opening night, it was one of the early nights, and uh, of course they, we'd have uh, evening get-togethers and they'd have speakers, and one of the things that stood out about that whole trip wasn't getting the awards and anything, but one of the first speakers got up there and he told a joke about the black guy, the white guy, and the other one, and immediately everybody looks around at me going, is he really gonna do this? <laughs> and he did, and I'm like, he's really telling a racist joke at a Christian assembly. And I didn't get up, but I stewed a little bit, but the one thing, after it was over and I went outside, so many people came, of my peers came around to actually give support that that, that was just wrong. But um, I've had a few instances, like I said, I have a lot of friends that cops over the years because I've worked security and I've had an incident and this was um, 
several years ago that me and my dad, and some of you know my dad, he used to be a professional wrestler, big guy, <laughs> and uh, we were riding down the street to go get my stepmom from a, a choir practice once, uh, I think it was a Tuesday evening, we were getting to choir practice, cops pulls over, it's like no one's speeding, and this is in Kansas City. Um, and cop comes up, hand on his gun on my dad's side, and gang task force, because the instructions are if there's more than two black people in the car, check them out, because they could be gang related, especially if they're men. So my dad's trying to figure out, so we're doing this, and incidentally, a cop comes up and yanks, my, I'm leaning against the door, because I'm just watching this, yanks the door open, I roll out and hit the curb. And I get up, and I'm like, what are you doing? And he slammed me against the car. I'm not doing anything. It's like, what the heck is going on? It looked real funny when we go to uh, court to talk to the judge, and my dad has his clerical collar on. <laughs> that looks real stupid. But, you know, it's like, why is he doing this? Recently, uh, a couple years ago, uh, got profiled. Me and my family went to a grocery store, and... Uh, in a white neighborhood, because we don't live in a white neighborhood, but that's the, that the closest grocery store to us. We're riding, it's 7.30, 8 o'clock at night, and we come up to the intersection, let the car turn, we pull out to the thing, block later, I get lighted. So, cop comes up and, well, I uh, pulled you over because you failed to stop. <laughs> Sir, car turned left, I had to stop. There's no way I could have ran the light or the stop sign. Well, you have your seatbelt off. I'm going to give you, I said, sir, I took my seatbelt off because you need my license. Well, just go on. Now, now, see, something like that, that's not overtly racist because he didn't call me the N-word. He didn't shake me down to turn my pockets out, but why do you pull me over? A car full of family. It's me, my wife, my son, and both my daughters. This type of stuff is what has been happening over the years. It's not overt, well, anymore. You know, back in the 60s, 70s, it was definitely the fire hoses, the dogs, things of that nature. But does me profiling you because you're black, especially if you're in a white neighborhood, what if I live there? What if my best friend was there, I went to visit him? These are the type of things that have really, over the last decade, this is the type of thing where it's not just in your face. It's not in your face. One of the big things that I've seen that really, really has got to me, really more so since the George thing, but it's happened in some of the other incidents, is the lack of compassion mm. where you have a, a guy here, and the first thing they immediately want to do is vilify him. Well, he had a criminal record. There's, well, there's automatically questioning. He, there's quite, there's automatically he, questioning behind it. Do we know what he did? Yeah. You know, you don't know what he did. In this instance, did he do anything? He's accused of counterfeit bill, which Lair said wasn't, but nevertheless, this whole incident happens. Most of the world's mortified. One of the big problems with this type of thing is now is cell phones. Because every, a lot of stuff that we've been saying is going on, is, you're just saying that. Yeah, yeah, whatever. Now people are actually seeing it. But one of the things that hurt me with a lot of this is you see in so many in this more so the younger people making light of this, standing out there with the knees on and the signs, just like, are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? It became a fad on social media, it, it, too. It, 
to, to do the to George do the, challenge. The, do the, the, there was a challenge where where teenagers were kneeling on each other's necks and taking pictures and sharing it on social media like it was funny. And all all white people, by the way. Yeah, yeah, and it was it was. And it's like, even if, no matter what he did, the guy, this, you're talking about somebody that's just died. If if if, you, if your relative had died, whatever fashion is, and I went and made fun of it, would that make me a good person? Right. You know, it's like yeah, people do stupid stuff, but this kind of shows you the root. If if this is the type of thing that you're doing, then what is embedded in you? Like you were saying, Brad, and I don't mean to be taking up all the time, <laughs> but like you were saying, you know, not too, however long ago was I missed, but at one point when you seen this, and you, were, you said that you just had to change heart because you stepped back and looked mm -hmm. at, well, what is the, the, the situation going on? It's like, yeah. well, dang, maybe yeah. there is something to it. And that's all that we can say. If you yeah. guys just search and look and search yourselves and see, well, dang, that kind of stuff could happen. You know, mm -hmm. don't immediately just... Dismiss, dismiss it. Dismiss, dismiss it. it. That's the big thing. You know, that's what I said. One of the biggest things that's happened is video cameras. The world was mortified way back when Rodney King, right. that whole thing happened. It's like that has happened numerous times. I've, I've had friends that have gotten beat down, mm -hmm. uh, you know, slammed onto hoods, slammed on the curbs, roughed up, and then they just let them go. Well, we okay, you're not the one we look for. One of the biggest things that we ever hear and I'm sure you probably ran it. You fit the description. Yep. <laughs> so, so let me guess. The description was it was a black guy. He was between five foot and seven foot tall, 120 to 390. I fit the description. He had big old afro, but bald all over. That 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 is one of the most common phrases that black people, when we get stopped, was questioned. You know, pulled over, stopped while you're walking. Just, well, we, there was a crime. You kind of fit the description. Don't. That's one of the biggest things that, 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 that we hate. With the police officers, the biggest thing that really, and, and right now the police thing is the big uh, movement right now. What we need is more police. There's a lot of police, and I've lived in Kansas City for 30 plus years. There's a lot of cops that, you're walking down the street that stop, hey, how's you guys doing? And just stop neighborhood police. You know, where people get to know the police officers. That's what's one of the big things. Because like I said, 99% of cops are good. It's the 1% that makes all this go, puts the pressure on the good cops. And, and, and it's the 1% that, it's specifically in the George Floyd case, there, that particular police officer had 18 um, complaints against him. So, so when we're talking about, you know, well, what can we do to change? Well, we're not saying fire all the policemen or anything like that. But there needs to be a system in place for that if, a, if someone exhibits this type of behavior in the past, there needs to be something in place that removes them from being someone who's allowed to carry a gun and have someone's life or death in their hands. If, if, if someone, you know, I, what I'm for is I'm for more education i'm for more more resources to the to the to the to the police force to, for more training because if somebody has the power to take your life or death i want them to be very well educated i want them to know every situation that they're walking into i want them to understand you know the 
the, the distrust that is there for the right reasons. Because when you guys tell those stories, I cannot relate to those stories. And that's how most people are. You can't, if you've never been in my shoes, you can't relate. I can right. tell you the story and you can empathize, but you can't really relate. Right. Because it's never happened to you. Unless it may have. Right. You know, and, and a lot of, it's, and it's not just a lot of poor White people live in the black communities, and they may have experienced it. So if some of them are telling you, they may have had some right. of the same type of dealings with the same type of officers. Right. But you, you can't truly know, but you're seeing what a lot of we've kind of been saying over the years. Right. That, you know, while a lot of officers are good, Officer Jackson, if he comes here, you better watch him because he's going to bust some head. Yeah. You know, <laughs> and even reporting him, a lot of times it's gotten to the point where after reporting a particular officer, reporting, reporting, nothing's done, you just stop reporting. Right. And then that might just make the situation worse, you know, the next, the next encounter. So, so yeah. So I, I just want to stress what I, something I said earlier is we need to listen and we need to see and we just need to, to trust. Mm -hmm. I, when you talk about that, that, a situation like that never happened with me and my dad. You know, I've never been pulled out of a car. Never... And so, so when, when you guys tell these stories, I just ask us to, as a people, as a church, to, to, to see and to listen. So, yeah, so, okay, I just wanted to reemphasize the point I made earlier, because two reasons. One, I like to hear the sound of my voice, and <laughs> two, I wanted us to get that. And we've already talked a little bit about this, uh, this next question that I want to ask you guys. Um, how can we, again, I've, I've mentioned this, we are a predominantly white church. I'm a white pastor of a predominantly white church. Yeah, believe it or not. I know in this light it might be kind of hard to tell. <laughs> slightly overweight, well, more, a little more than slightly. But, uh, I want to be a church that is part of progress. I want to be a church that is part of a change. So as as a white pastor, as a white church, as white people, I know everybody in here does not fall into that, but what, what then, how can we not just be aware of the problem? Because I believe that a lot of people are aware, you know, becoming aware because of everybody has a cell phone now, everybody has a camera. You know, you think about the Ahmaud Arbery case, those gentlemen were going to go free until a cell phone video came out mm. because the story they told was not the story how it happened and they were friends of prosecutors or former prosecutors or, or you know, they were buddies with, with, with the system. And so, so I think whether you want to admit it or not, there is a problem. So how then can we not just be aware of these issues, but how do we help bring about change, Larnell? Um, my answer is going to be really short. Uh, <laughs> I, I have um, determined that I'm going to be the designated icebreaker. But, <laughs> but um, no, seriously, just keep doing what you guys are doing. Um, I watch you guys almost every other Sunday. Uh, whenever I get a chance, I watch you guys. Just keep up the good work. I mean. Uh, just, uh, he skips the, the week's pastor preaches. Or pastor Walker <laughs> preaches. <laughs> not true. Not true. Not true. Because I listen to Prayerfully Woke. So, <laughs> you know, a little plug right there for you. You know, I'll do it for you. <laughs> but, no, just keep up the good work. And then, um, you know, education. 
Um, you got to dig beyond Martin Luther King and Rosa Park. Um, go back until you feel uncomfortable yeah. and just keep digging and digging and digging. And then, of course, um, like I, I think we all understand that you guys will never know what it's like to be black, but you guys will have an understanding of or have, a, I guess, yeah, an understanding of our history. Um, and then just try to look at it from our lenses. Now that's 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 really good, and I, I think that's that's important to do that because we all think that we know what the civil rights movement was. Yeah. We all think we know. Oh, you know, we think oh, Martin Luther King he marched and he got some some things done and everything's been fine since then, you know. And and dig. I love what you said. Dig until you're uncomfortable, hmm. because because that's when that's when change occurs. <laughs> Bring, to bring it to a spiritual level, when you come into a church and God begins to convict or move on your heart, it makes you uncomfortable until you change. And that's how change happens, is when you get to a place where you're uncomfortable and then you face those things. Like, like I read the words of Christ, we, we, we harden our heart and we close off our ears and then he can't heal us. We refuse to hear men talk about their experiences, and we refuse to open our eyes and refuse to open our ears to it, and we won't let Jesus into those places and let him heal us of our own problems, of our own racism that we aren't even aware of. And if we, if, if we think that we don't have any of it, then we're fooling ourselves. John tells us to say you have no sin, you're a liar. And you don't, the love of God is not in you. The truth of God cannot be in you. So if you are like me, white, and sitting there thinking, man, this, is, this conversation isn't for me because I don't have any of that, that's a revealer that you need this conversation. Mm. Yeah. You need to be open. You need to be humble. And you need to be aware of your own prejudices because they do exist. I promise you that they do. And I'm not, I didn't mean to point at you two. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm probably not a good person to be up here, to be honest with you. We, why, why you bring me up here week after week, I do not know. But we have to come to this as, as the, you know, I'm just going to say it. White people have been in power for a long time in this country. And we have to be the humble ones now. We have to listen to those who have not been in power, who have been disenfranchised, who have been cast away and set aside. Because even though the civil rights movement happened, we still, we figured out other ways to keep loopholes. Loopholes. We figured out other ways to keep the black people down. And I, I'm, I know I'm, I'm hitting you with um, uh, hyperbole this morning, but but it's the truth. Red line districts. I mean, many Red other line. ways. We, that's why what, what Larnell says, educate yourself on this topic. We don't all have the same starting point. No. As, we, as, we all have the same end goal. Right. Yes. But if we run the 220 relay, you get to start at the, the 110. I start at the zero. Right. But we still want to get to the same we spot. Still, we're still running to the same mm, spot. Same. And, 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 and the way that when I quit taking offense at statements like that is when God started to do something in me. Mm. Because when I hear something like that, you know what I hear? You know what it comes up out of me? Well, I work hard for everything I have. Mm. Well, yeah, of course you do. Everybody does. That's the system. But I had, a, I had I, like you said, I started at a different place because I, I've not experienced the, 
the same type of profiling and the same, when I go into job interviews, I don't, I don't get the looks that you guys get, you know? I mean, you know, a uh, crazy thing is like whenever, um, just, just to touch on that real quick, um, to give you guys an example of the reality of this is whenever I apply for um, a house or like uh, to rent a place out or whatever, I have to use Chelsea's name and Chelsea has to call. Even though I'm the head of the household, nobody wants to talk to Larnell. <laughs> just on paper. No one, I, th I think um, part of the problem is they're scared they're going to mispronounce it. But no, I'm just playing. <laughs> no, no, nobody wants to talk to Larnell. They'd rather talk to Chelsea. Like we literally um, applied for the same place and they called her and I didn't get nothing. So. One of the things in the black community, it's a joke among, in the black community about how you name your kids. <laughs> Am I right? Hey, because, that's why my daughter's Alexandria. <laughs> and, 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 and it's true. <laughs> because, and it's true. And it's sad that it's true, but when you put your name on application or something, you know, LaQuandra isn't going to get the same thing as Lisa. It's not going to get the same right. We joke in my household, and this is kind of racial, but my, but my wife uses her white voice. And, and I'm, I'm sure you guys can imagine what I'm talking about, but this is true. When she talks on the phone, me and my kids sometimes will be laughing because if she sounds like her normal self with her the, the tones and inclinations, that she doesn't get the same response as sounding as if she's Becky. You know, and, and that's sad in this day and age, but it's true. You know, he's talking about this. Kansas, Kansas City um, has a horrible for redlining. I used to, I had a house. Uh, can you, primary. can you uh, define that for people out there who don't know what is, that is? Uh, back in, the, in Kansas City, per se, but it's in all places. Uh, J.C. Nichols from the Plaza, he was one of the big um, uh, real estate moguls. And he created a boundary because he didn't want minorities living in his neighborhood. So he created boundaries which changed the neighborhoods. In Kansas City, Troost Avenue is the boundary for a red line district. You live on one side of Troost, the west side, your property values, your insurance premiums, everything goes down. I mean, goes up. You live the other side, everything goes down because that's exclusively where he wanted white people. A friend of mine that actually used to live there had uh, bought a house there in the 70s, and he at one time brought in to work the deed, and it actually had a clause in there that was part of J.C. Nichols' thing that said no blacks, no Jews, no Mexicans. So you weren't allowed, they didn't want it in the neighborhoods. This is the guy that actually created this for the Department of Housing. So that's why this type of thing happens all over the country. I, had, I used to live in a house um, that was one block east of Truce, which was a red line. It was a four bedroom, two bath, um, double wide lot, uh, the uh, Spanish tile uh, roofs, gorgeous house. Friend of mine that I worked with, he lived a block on the other side of Truce. He had a two one that he'd remodeled and his house actually sold for 300,000. Mine, I, got, I was able, it was up for 180. Tells you the difference. Right. Double the size, double the lot because of redlining. My insurance premiums on my vehicle 
more, more than his, and he had more cars at the time on mine because of redlining. This was one of the things that they've done. So what they've done is you created housing that is not near as valuable. So what they've started doing recently in Kansas City is a lot of these dilapidated uh, neighborhoods in the or neighborhoods in the hood. They've started gentrification. So they've got the city to go through, put in new sewers, new sidewalks, new infrastructure, and they're buying up these houses from these people whose twenty-five, thirty thousand dollar houses putting up three, four hundred thousand dollar houses. There's no way these people can afford. But if you didn't sell your house, what happens? You're 70 years old, your house is valued, you know, you pay $1,000 a year in property state, property, uh, real estate tax, now all of a sudden you got $500,000 houses around you, you can't afford it. So what they've started doing is driving the people out of their neighborhoods. Instead of fixing up these neighborhoods, we'll just get rid of them totally. Mm. You know, they've been, you've had people that have been here for years and years and years that get nothing. Council districts in Kansas City, on the west side, they get hooked up. They get more than their fair share. They jump to the top of the list when they need anything done mm -hmm. because these are the, the old money. They're predominantly white neighborhoods. You may have a few minorities, but as a whole, it's <clears throat> a white neighborhood. And this is the type of things that are, that are constantly going on. Now you see more and more people trying to integrate, which right. is great. That's how it should right. be because right. everybody's the same when it comes down to it. Right. Yeah. yeah. That's right. We're all we're all part of of the mm -hmm. human race. We are yeah. all God's, well, God's kids. Yeah. God made us in his image, all yeah. of us. And so I, I and I think when we talk about educating ourselves, those are the type of things we're talking about. I mean who in here had never heard of redlining before? Just be honest. Yeah. And so I think just to talk, yeah, one yeah. thing that with redlining that also comes into play is that Property taxes are what fund public schools, yeah. and whenever your properties appraised for less, then there's less tax dollars that go into the schools. So the, the yes. schools that are educating predominantly yeah. African American populations, minority populations, they don't have as good of teachers because they don't pay highest salaries. So the good teachers go to the richer schools, which are mostly white schools. So minorities get less opportunities for education, less opportunities for scholarships, less opportunities to get ahead. That's what we're talking about with the relay yeah, race metaphor. Which, it's, which is one of the root problems in the black community is poverty or living below the median poverty line. And that's the reason. Edu you know, it starts with, you start church, you start with your education. If we don't get the same opportunities, you know, in Kansas City, most of the Kansas City school district is the main core of it is in the urban core. They don't get the money to do all the extra They get the sports. That's about it, because that's all we get. We give you, we give you money for sports, mm -hmm. but you don't get the science labs. You know, you don't get the, the, the Spanish club, French club, debate clubs. You don't get a lot of that. So that's why a lot of places have started going to the uh, charter schools, which aren't based on property tax. So you actually, that's one way that we found to get around it because the Kansas City school districts and, you know, because of the redlining with the funding, were t horribly, horribly underfunded. So that's why at one point the Kansas City lost its accreditation because they weren't doing the job because they couldn't do the job because they're understaffed, undermanned. If anybody here is a teacher, you would understand when you have to go in your pocket 
to buy pencils for your kids. That's happening all the time in the urban cores that they, they just can't afford it. They're getting less and less funding. It's just like recently, uh, not trying to get into politics, but the new budget came out and you see what's the biggest thing they cut? Education. Right. Isn't education the basis? <laughs> America at one point was at this the top here, but as we reduce and we reduce our education, how do we stay at the top of the scale? Good point. You That's can't. Good. That's good. That's good. And, 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 and Charles is talking a lot about Kansas City because that's his experience. Yeah, I've been there forever. But, but this, is, this is everywhere, you know. I know that there are, there are small towns all over yes. Missouri that, that still have laws on records um, against um, yeah. black people living in the towns. So um, it's, it's, it's real, is what I'm saying. Yeah. It's real. And, and, and that's what I wanted to do today. I wanted to listen I, don't, I wanted us to see and to listen and, and not to dismiss what, when these guys tell us their experiences because that's what, that's what I feel like the Holy Spirit is calling us to do mm. is to, to listen yeah. and to see. And, and, and Pastor Walker preached last week then about now that, we've, now, now that we're starting to listen and to see, what do we do now? And, and he, he talked about go back and watch it. Well, now we've got to pray and we've got to love. Mm-hmm. Amen. And, and that's... That's, I feel like that's one of the ways yeah. that we have to go forward. So yeah. I don't know. I, I just have one last question I want to ask you guys. Cause, and one of the things I love about these two guys is that they're not just black men, but they're spiritual men, uh, men that, that know God. And so I want to ask, you know, people have been talking a lot about, like, the way forward. What's the way forward? What's the way out of this? I want to ask you guys what, like, you know, Jesus said, my father is always working and so am I. How do you see God working in this? Like, what, how do you see the hand of God in the chaos and the everything going on right now? Because, you know, as Christians, we claim that. We believe God is doing something. God's doing something to bring about some good out of this. What do you see the good being? Um, I, I see this year in total as a wake-up call um, to, you know, shake us up a little bit. Um, so whether it be... Um, this movement that's going on, whether it be the political scheme where, you know, you know, our choices aren't very great right now, uh, <laughs> or whether it be Kobe Bryant passing, man. I mean, it's been a tough year. <laughs> that was a little jokey joke. Um, <laughs> but seriously, though, um, it has been a tough year. And it's fo- uh, for me, it's made me wake up a little bit more than and, you know, I consider myself a woke individual, but um, it's shaken me and made me look past what's going on right now as far as, you know, the Black Lives Matters movement, but um, it's making me look at the bigger picture, which is we all need to come together. Um, and it's, it's forcing, and I could be wrong, but I think it's forcing a lot of people um, to look in the mirror and, you know, you see something and you're like, I don't necessarily want that to be my reflection um when we look at our and i i don't really mind getting into politics because i don't know much about it because i don't pay attention but i paid enough attention to know that a lot of people on either side is looking at our current leader and they're like that is not you know my reflection and most people say that the leader is the reflection of the country and we're pushing back against that now that's from a country standpoint now from a spiritual standpoint it's 
we have to get real about our salvation. Um, so whether it's, you know, loving our enemies or, um, and that's from, you know, not considering you guys enemies, but those who, as a black man, those who belittle um, what's going on. Um, I, I try to look beyond that. So far, I haven't unfriended anyone, but I thought about it a couple of times. <laughs> but look beyond that and, you know, honestly, my heart hurts for them because they call themselves Christians, but their hearts are far from God. Because um, God said that they will know that you are my disciples by our love. And another thing I want to point out is that, you know, I tip my hat off. I literally took my Eagles hat off for you guys. <laughs> I need a haircut. <laughs> but you guys are, instead of having fellowship with those in darkness, you guys are exposing it. And that's what um, a different look from Ephesians 5.11 looks like from my standpoint. And um, yeah, that's pretty much it. Um, Amen. Amen. I'll give you kudos. I agree with you. <laughs> um, what I think one of the biggest things that it says is you're my brothers and you're my, you're my sisters. And that's something that we have to remember. Whether our skin colors are different, our eye colors are different, we're all still part of God's children. If one of us hurts, all of us should hurt. Right. If all of us feel, if one of us feels joy, we should all feel joy. And I think that's something that you just got to keep in mind. When you're hearing a story or somebody telling you that, um, that this is happening, don't dismiss it. Take, use your heart. Show a little empathy that, dang, this really could be something going on. What can I do personally? You know, I'm not saying... The white people, everybody, this is what y'all need to do. Each of you got to take it upon yourselves to reflect on what you've done or what you don't do and keep that for yourselves. You know, if you, if you like Brother Brad here said, he said that, you know, at one point not too long ago, the view he had then and the view he had now are totally different. He had to step up in his heart and the Lord put something on his heart. That's what you got to ask Lord, put it up on my heart to see what is, what's going on. What can I personally do? I'm not saying that, you know, as a group, you guys have to do anything. As an individual, you should be able to step up and do your part, you know, of trying to bring change, of bringing equality, of bringing love, bringing joy, you know, to each other. That's what we all need to do. Step up, step up in prayer. Just pray for the situation. Ask them, what can I do yeah. to try to help this situation? Yeah. Right. Our prayer should lead to action. Thank you. Thank right. you. you know, so many people will say thoughts and prayers, and, yeah, and I think which that's... Is, which is great. Yeah, we should pray. Prayer, it, prayer should be the first thing we should do, but it should not be the only thing we do. To ask them, what path should I take? Right? Yes. Because wor with, uh, 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 words without actions is dead. Mm -hmm. yeah. Yep. That's James, yeah. So faith, faith that, that's it right there. You see right now with this current movement that's going on, you see so many different races out there united. You know, once you take aside, you know, the looters and agitators, but you see the core of this are people that are united that people just say, you know, I haven't experienced what you've experienced, but I want to be there so you don't experience it again. Right. That's all, that's all mm -hmm. you know, that they're saying. And it's beautiful when you see the people united like that. You know, when you see blacks, whites, Hispanics, you see some of the police that have stepped over going, you know, I agree with what it's about. It's not about saying oh, the cops are bad. No, we're not saying the cops are bad. We would never say that because they're needed. They have a hard, hard job. 
We're just saying show the same compassion with everybody. Show the same understanding, you know, the same actions. If you're doing it for him, that's how I should be treated. That's right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and part of the problem, and, and that leads to, right now you see a lot of the videos where you'll see people with the cops just being smart with the cops now because they're upset. And it's like, because of the situations that have happened to them, it puts them into that same mindset. If I, I, put, if I come to you in love and you're upset about something, and I come and show you love and understanding, you're not going to be upset. You're going to have a total different mindset. And that's kind of the problem that's happened today is that the few bad seeds have put it in the mindset of so many over the years that they have a, that blacks have a total different mindset with the police. Because, because from what I, from all the, the friends I've talked to is they've all, whether they've experienced, they've heard stories about what happened to their uncle or what happened to their dad or what, and so so they've all been told, well, you need to watch out. Like I guarantee, like it, and, uh, a lot of the friends I've talked to said, I have to have a conversation with my sons about once how they to the how to interact with the police once they reach a certain age. I've not had that conversation with my son. You know, I haven't had to. And that's sad. Yes, yeah. So yeah, so that's 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 good. It's just we just need to be aware. Uh, I did I did want to read the scripture, and I didn't. I don't think I read it earlier. John three nineteen through twenty one. Larnell alluded to it a little bit. Um, these are the words of Christ. It says God's light came into the world, but people love the darkness more than the light, for their actions were evil. All who do evil hate the light. And refuse to go near it for fear their sins will be exposed. But those who do what is right come to the light so that others can see what they're doing. That they are doing what God wants. Hmm. And I feel like a lot of people don't want to have this conversation because they don't want to expose. They don't want to turn the spotlight on themselves. They want to ignore this. They want to just talk about something else. They want to. I feel like the church as a whole in the civil rights movement, the white church, we missed the boat we just we refused to address it for the most part there were some churches that did but i don't want to miss the boat right now Mm. i want the light god turn your light on me and if that's your prayer then i believe god will do it you know god turn your light Mm. on me shine your light on me so bright Mm. so that if there's something in me that is not right expose it to me and let me see it. And that's my prayer. Um, that's my prayer for, for, for this church, for this country, for, for this nation, that, we will, that, that that which is evil will be exposed. And I believe that we're seeing, I believe we're seeing it happen mm-hmm. before our eyes. Yeah. You know, and God, do the work in me, do the work in us, do the work in this church. We're going to pray. Um, as we, as we finish this, I'm going to ask the band to come back up. We're going to sing a song. 